Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Tonight we are double dipping in podcast. If you joined us just before, you have heard the WNBA podcast with Gentry Worthington. We have the WNBA draft on Thursday. It's a pretty exciting time for any WNBA fans. For anyone who's not a WNBA fan, and I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you might not be. We are going to be talking about the NFL draft tonight, and we have DJ Boyer and Zach Gutierrez. You guys want to say hello? Take her away, Zach. I say you should definitely listen to the uh, WNBA podcast because uh, it's, it's the draft's coming up, and I think it's going to be a really competitive year in the WNBA. We've only got about two weeks from the NFL draft, so uh, good week to double dip. We've got uh, action in both sports. Absolutely, absolutely. So today we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about our mock. Maybe some uh, risers and fallers. We're gonna go into some rumors. DJ is gonna he- give us the word on the streets from uh, the blog draftside.com/slash/wordpress.com. And then we're gonna play another round of who would you rather. And this time we might do a little who would you rather between prospects as opposed to prospects in the NFL. We'll do that between DJ and Zach. So let's get it started. DJ, let's talk about the mock. What were some of the big movers from this past past week in terms of the latest update? Uh, one of the updates we talked about today was uh, Kevin Johnson, corner that we talked about on our occasions at Wake Forest. Seems to be one of those guys in where he's either going to go at the end of the first round or always be about three or four players that seems to talk in the round one, players that they – Teams are kind of hoping are going to be there for their second pick if they're picking in the middle of round two or the beginning of round two. And some of those players they don't think are going to be around, you start to see some deals being orchestrated at the end of round one. Kevin Johnson seems to be one of the hot names right now. A lot of teams uh, seem to be, uh, you know, really kind of uh, bringing him in for a lot of visits and thinking that maybe he's not going to be around in round two. There's just too much interest there. So he's one of these guys that might sneak into the end of round one right now. Max Williams being another one of those players, and we've talked about this before, but um, maybe some teams that were kind of looking at him or, or looking for tight ends maybe in second, third, fourth round territory might be more apt to either trade back and get a player like Max Williams and uh, mm-hmm. go after another position, or uh, one of the teams I mentioned today, Pittsburgh, the fact that they were – looks like they, they brought in a lot of tight ends. They were targeting – probably a tight end in the mid to late rounds, but maybe they go there in round one and address some of the needs of secondary and, and linebacker a little bit later again, just kind of getting a jump on everyone. And I think that would be a little early to take him, but it's such a thin draft that, that a lot of people are thinking, why not grab that tight end up front and then go for some other uh, some other positions where the drop-off is not nearly as drastic. Well, you've been updating the blog very often. Uh, anything of note? in terms of rumors that you're hearing, maybe some trades in terms of current NFL players that might be moving on draft day? Not so much uh, players at this point, but just some more teams kind of looking to move up or down. The Atlanta Falcons seem to uh, a team that I think is, is probably moving on the way back. I think maybe they're looking more toward offensive linemen, um, bisect uh, Defensive line, or, you know, they're one of the teams that seems to like uh, Randy Gregory as well. They've had him in a couple of times, and recent grass stock looks like uh, 
going backwards for, for Randy Gregory, where it looks like they'll now go from the beginning of round one to about the middle stages of round one. That there's a couple teams that think maybe they can get a prospect like that, pick up another, uh, pick up another uh, pick in the in the process if they move back far enough. They got a team that they're is willing to be a trade partner. So probably around uh, 13, a team like New Orleans or 15, the San Francisco 49ers brought Gregory in for a second visit today. So instead of if going in that you know, anywhere from like three to seven range. It's looking more like 13 to 20 uh, for a player like that. So um, Atlanta's a team that might move back. Uh, you you got to wonder, New Orleans seems to be a team that uh, has been rumored to, to say that, you know, if he falls all the way to 13, that maybe that's a team that kind of pulls the, uh, you know, doesn't really wait around and they, they kind of jump at a player like Gregory because, again, there's, there's so much upside there. Uh, there's a couple of teams kind of willing to, to gamble on the baggage. So what happened last week? You talked about big rumor, Sam Bradford moving again for uh, Johnny Manziel. What, what happened with that rumor? You sounded pretty convinced that it might even happen. Uh, it's, I, there's there's still talk. This might might be more for uh, a pick standpoint, and with with Philadelphia, you just never know. Uh, there's even there, you know, there was some quiet whispers about Brandon Boykin and some interest from the Dolphins. There's even interest now that if if Philadelphia is moving up, the price have to, might have to be not only picks but Fletcher Cox, who is a an emerging defensive lineman. I think one, one of the more underrated linemen in, in the NFL. I think players like Connor Barwin and Michael Kendricks got a lot of the the glory, but it was really player a, a player like Fletcher Cox that really made things happen for those linebackers. So uh, if, if he's indeed on the market, I think that would be a that's an awful, awful high price to pay because that, that, to me, is one of the most underrated linemen in the NFL right now. Someone that even plays with a little bit of a nasty streak, not particularly dirty, but just kind of brings that nasty edge to a defense as well. And that's a, a very, very high price for Philadelphia to pay. So, um, and the team that I mentioned there, Atlanta, that that's ultimately that's ultimately the team that I thought where we were going to see LaShawn McCoy go. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised when the McCoy deal was made, but I thought it was going to be more like a team like Atlanta. Philadelphia would get into that eight range, somewhere at the tail end of the top ten, and then if they wanted to make that Marcus Mariota deal or really move up for a prospect, that would where that's kind of where they had to be. So, um, kind of don't know what's going on there, and uh, as well as with the Bears, you know, a little more talk about maybe Marcus Mariota there. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the Jets are considering a move up. Maybe they go after. Uh, Jameis Winston. I, I think that uh, Winston's probably still just going to be a Buccaneer, and then I, I think it's really just you're going to have some teams. Tennessee and Jacksonville, I think, are both in a position to listen. I think they both have players they want there, but at the same time, if the right deal comes along, I can see both teams trading back. And uh, I ultimately think Mariota's going to wind up with a team that we're kind of not expecting or there's going to be a deal for him. It just seems like everything's in place there for team to jump in, whether that's a team like uh, Cleveland or whether it's a team like Chicago, which I think is a very likely landing spot, uh, remains to be seen, but I, I think a deal is going to be done. All right. Zach, your boy Johnny Mantell, they were talking about him being part of the trade. Do you think that would be a good move for the Eagles? No, I think Sam Bradford's perfect for what they do. Uh, I like the fact that he's with DeMarco Murray again because when he was at Oklahoma, and the last time he was really healthy for a year, his Heisman year, it was that spread offense where he was taking the majority, if not not the majority, all the snaps from the shotgun. And I actually think, assuming that the Eagles don't trade him, because like DJ said, you never know with the Eagles and Chip Kelly, he'd be somebody that I would put down as a as a long-shot MVP candidate just by by looking at the odds. Just 
based on the fact that he can't stay healthy is the only reason anybody would not consider that because the Eagles have such a prolific offense and he's such a perfect point guard for them. But uh, Manziel, there's no reason to trade trade Manziel right now because you're not going to get anything for him. You know, you're you're talking about a guy that was drafted in the first round last year. There's no reason to get rid of somebody when his value couldn't be any lower. One thing I'd like to talk about, which I, I think everybody's been talking about, every time I read anything about the draft, it's that people around the league that are wired in are saying that uh, Mariota's going to Tampa Bay, and then you hear that Winston's working out with Jets. Uh, I'm not sure if there's something to this, but I've heard it from a lot of people that really are, are not known for just saying things to, to create media ways for the draft. So uh, I that's something to keep an eye on. Interesting, interesting. Well, a good little roundup, I think. Start our game, huh? What do you guys think? Yeah, I'd love that. Little who would you rather? So we are gonna we're gonna do college versus college player, prospect versus prospect. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you two options um, at same positions, and you're gonna choose from one of the two. Uh, for the first one, you're just going to give you can give an explanation. Then we're going to do another one at the position, but we're going to give you three options. That way we can get through all the different all the different positions. So let's get started. Let's start with a fun position that everyone will love, and that's running back. I think this one will cause a healthy debate potentially, and that's Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley. DJ, who would you rather? Todd Gurley, just because I think he is. Even before the injury and probably even after, he was the best running back prospect we've probably seen in the last four to five years. I think uh, Gurley's the ultimate guy there. But, again, uh, Gordon, not a bad consolation prize at all. But I I go Gurley. Uh, I go Gordon just because Gurley's coming off an injury. Um, The way that Gurley runs the ball, I think he's going to be more prone to injury. Melvin Gordon just has better body control. And uh, although everyone's saying now that Gurley's – probably going to be drafted higher. I expect a team that really needs a running back, like like the Lions, that uh, has such an already prolific passing offense, to have somebody to draft a running back either in the first or second round. I'm hoping, just because I've always secretly liked the Lions, uh, that they get Gordon because he'd be a perfect fit for them, and it would be very, very easy to run uh, with that you know, prolific Lions passing offense. But I take him just because... I think he, even though he, his numbers have been crazy, I think he has less wear and tear than Todd Gurley. And uh, for the NFL game, it's, it was just it's body control and vision. Gurley's kind of always just been a man amongst boys. So I'm curious to see, you know, stepping up to the next level, if he's uh, has the you know the breakaway speed to break off the long runs that he did at Georgia. Let's go to the next set of running backs. We have I'm going to give you three. You can choose from Kevin Coleman. Amir Abdullah or Duke Johnson? Who would you rather, Zach, of those three guys? It really depends on what team. Uh, I, if I have an established power back, uh, I would consider Amir Abdullah. But if we're talking about for a, a feature back, i say uh, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman played injured. He played behind a team that really was far from good. Everybody knew he was getting the ball. Uh, I guess, again, he had the most yards against the highest level of competition. Um, he definitely has what it takes to be a feature back. I'm not sure if Abdul has what it takes to be a feature back. So, uh, you know, for the feature back, I'm, I'm taking Kevin Coleman, and I think he's he's probably my number three running back. Duke Johnson, I think that he could have the best numbers of any running back uh, possibly in this draft. Uh, he had a couple of injury problems. 
he's I think he's just established himself as as he's actually number two on my board. I, I like Melvin Gordon, but I think Duke Johnson is is kind of the diamond in the rough here. He's got a very good shot at being offensive rookie of the year in the right system. I think uh, Duke Johnson has not gotten uh, just not gotten the amount of attention. Uh, and when that offense has really gone through him, there's just been games where he's taken over. I think uh, Duke, Duke Johnson is. Could wind if he winds up being the best back in this class. I'm not at all shocked. Put him over Melvin Gordon's just ridiculous though. Uh, Duke Johnson, much better receiver, um, and a, a very fine blocker. And I think Duke Johnson, if if anyone even touches Todd Gurley, it's Duke Johnson. Okay, let's go on to wide receiver. Uh, here's a few guys that I know, Zach. I know you like, um, and DJ. I think too. Tyler Lockett or Devin Smith. DJ, who would you rather have? Two good players. Um, I'm just going to go Devin Smith. I think there's just a little, a little more big playability there. Uh, size is a little, lock it a little bit undersized, and I don't think it's going to affect him in the next level. Uh, but I think uh, Devin Smith. Uh, sometimes people just see the low catch numbers, but you know, about half his catches are for about 25 yards or more. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think his route running ability goes a little bit unnoticed, just because it's something that he wasn't asked to do a lot at at Ohio State, but I think when you um, kind of uh, look at uh, look at him on taper, when, it, when he's asked to actually kind of be that precise route runner, kind of go over the middle, um, it's something that he can do. I just think he hasn't done it enough that people just automatically assume it's something he's not going to be able to do. I think there's a little more upside there, but uh, Lockett, and I, I think maybe Lockett's a guy that maybe takes a couple of years, but he makes he could be that Randall Cobb type that makes an impact as a returner right away and then grows into a return uh, grows into a receiver role, kind of being like a number three or a four on a team, and two to three years down the road kind of moves into a starting position and, and produces at a very high level as well. Uh, I go Devin Smith, too. I, I love Tyler Lockett. Um, he was a guy at Kansas State where they, you knew every single ball was going his way, but Devin Smith, to me, is a more polished, much more polished coming out of college, but maybe in the long term, more polished Mike Wallace. It's not just because of the, the crazy catch average. He's got better hands than Mike Wallace. He runs better routes than Mike Wallace. He is a tad bit slower than Mike Wallace, pretty much the same size. But uh, like you just said, he wasn't asked. He was always just a vertical threat in the Ohio State offense, so he really didn't get a chance to showcase his route running. He did showcase his hands on, on many, many different occasions. If he had probably the best catch I've ever seen an Ohio State player have in his one-handed catch against Miami, uh, Miami of Ohio a few years ago. But uh, he's in the big games, he plays well, too, and uh, – I, I know he only had 33 catches last year, but they seem to all be against Michigan State, Alabama, Michigan. Now you have a choice of three. A little later round pick, but guys that I actually love all of them. We have Justin Hardy, Rashad Green, or Nelson Aguilar out of USC. Zach, out of those three, who would you rather? I'd go uh, Nelson Aguilar because uh, – I just think he pol- he's the most polished altogether. With the other two guys, you're going to get maybe one aspect of their game is, isn't there. With, with Aguilar, you got everything. And Aguilar is like a guy that it, it could be in the first round. It's a very interesting wide receiver class this year because there's a lot of guys that are, are fighting for the bottom part of the first round. And uh, he's one that could, could very well sneak in, although I think he'll be a second-round pick. But just because he's the most complete player, uh, I go Aguilar. Aguilar. I'm going to have to agree in this case. Uh, I think that it's really all in the eye of the beholder. I think the line between maybe the number four receiver and maybe the number 10 receiver, you're kind of splitting hairs. And, again, it comes down to systems. 
I think he's, uh, again, and another return guy, maybe more for punts, vice uh, just kickoffs, maybe like a, a locket. But um, just kind of an all-around good game. Uh, just, just seems to – a guy that seemed to do the little things as well. One of the better blocking wide receivers. And, again, with more and more teams running the spread offense and, and actually running out of a spread offense, you need some wide receivers that are able to block as well, and that sometimes gets overlooked. Um, uh, Aguilar is one of the better blockers uh, here. Um, I do love Justin Hardy. You know, the guy owns the FBS career record, but we're talking about a former walk-on. Doesn't really have that initial real first speed, but he's, he's, he's going to help someone. I think he's going to be more of a possession type. I, I would kind of compare him to like a Harry Douglas the next level. I think when, you know, he had some very productive years over the Falcons playing with uh, Roddy White and uh, Julio Jones, but uh, a guy that can kind of step in eventually and, and put up some good numbers. But uh, I think Aguilar of, the, of all three. Let us move on to Lyman for a second here. Uh, let's talk about our, some of our top, top guys. Andres Pete or Leal Collins, DJ? I'm going Collins here. I think Pete is a little bit, uh, value's a little bit inflated. I think Stanford, he, he's helped a little bit by Stanford uh, linemen who have who've done pretty well at the next level, but a little more of a project there. Um, really plays a little bit too upright to my liking, doesn't use uh, leverage quite properly. And, and, and Collins, I really like the fact that he really dropped the weight. He was a guy that was about 340 pounds as a, as a sophomore and kind of steadily took the weight off, saw his play improve. Then he uh, kind of got a little too light. I think he was down at about 306 at, at the combine, kind of he's up to uh, 320 at the pro day. Just, just looked a whole lot leaner than when you look at him in the tape when he came in early. He was just more of a mauler. He seems to really have his technique down, uh, just someone I think can be a good zone blocker, effective in, in pass uh, pass protection and, and run blocking, he uh, he could uh, wind up being one of the best linemen in this draft. And, and I think that uh, the dedication he's shown for his physique and his, for his uh, working out, his conditioning, I think has really turned a lot of teams on to the fact that this is a guy that's going to be a very, very special player at the next level. I agree with DJ 100%. Collins is probably my favorite tackle in terms of uh, upside run blocking, excellent run blocker, and I this is I can't really attest in person, but I've heard off the field he's about as high character as uh, the guy you're going to find. But uh, good durability, and uh, I see this is a guy with a, a really high ceiling. And, and Pete, I think, is kind of, yeah, you know what you're going to get with him. I thought I was giving you guys tough ones. I mean, we have Andres Pete at number 25, 30, 31. Yeah, you keep agreeing that the guy below him should be uh, should be drafted higher. Well, we're not I, I think Collins could be, uh, in, my, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's, for a tackle, a long-term tackle, that's, that's who I take. I was just going to say the only guy that I think I'm, I may take ahead of him, but it's splitting hairs, is Arik Flowers. Although I've already said about Duke Johnson, it kind of sounds like I've got something going on with the Hurricanes here, but Flowers is the guy that was really overlooked. And I think um, uh, as far as, you know, sometimes the the numbers are a little bit overinflated, but the reps, the, the 37 reps, uh just really, he's just got a just a very strong upper body. I think him and a, a Sean Hickey out of Syracuse are probably the two strongest tackles we're going to find. Although I think he might uh, wind up uh, being like a fellow lineman, uh, Justin Pugh, and kind of moving to a guard at the NFL level. Um, but but I think Flowers has a lot of upside too. But I think one of those two, it's really splitting hairs. I would say Flowers just by a hair over Collins, but that's that's a coin flip. 
as far as my yeah, Flowers Apple is just a track. giant already. The reason I like Collins is Collins is lean. He he has room to grow, and when he, he can put on weight like that, the NFL you know strength and conditioning coaches going to know exactly where where to put on the weight. I don't think uh, Flowers can can get much heavier. I mean, he's a he's a monster. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, we're going to combine a few positions. On the next one, we'll stay on the offensive line. Let's do Cameron Irving, Jake Fisher. Or Trey Jackson, the guard out of Flyer State? Um, I would probably have to go Irving. I'm not a, a huge fan of any of these guys, uh, but just the fact that he, uh, he must have started at least 40 games at Florida State, just being able to play that, that you know, much at a program as storied as Florida State and as well as they played while he was there, there winning a national championship going undefeated last season before the uh, the Rose Bowl against Oregon. So I would go in, but I, I really don't like any of them. I think that they, they all have a, a pretty a low ceiling. I think with the right team, Jackson is a steal. But, again, that, that's really going to be more of a, a mauling, run-blocking type of line. Uh, he really was very inconsistent with his footwork, especially in pass protection really kind of sloppy, and uh, at times, uh, Josu Matias uh, on the other side really kind of, you know, outshadowed him. But I think if it, if you're strictly looking for a run blocker, Ty Muller inside, it's Jackson all the way. But I think if for, for more of a well-rounded prospect, I think I mean, just because there's a guy that has started not only playing all positions, but he started at tackle, started at guard, actually started six games of fun this year. So this is, he just has the look of a guy who's not going to come in and be a starter, but he's got that guy that, that can come in and play just about anywhere on the line, one of those valuable backups, and that's very, very important to have on a team. So I don't think we're talking about any future pro bowlers here. I think Irving probably has the most value because of his versatility. But, again, if you're just looking for a straight-up run blocker, someone can come in maybe for the first two downs and you really want to establish the running game, Jackson's the way to go. But uh, his pass protection, he really needs a lot of help. So it sounds like Jake Fisher is below those two other guys. Is that right? I like Jake Fisher, and, and I think one can say that he was very, very uh, valuable because when, when Oregon kind of ran into that, that little bit of a lull they had in the, um, the middle of the season and even when they lost against Arizona, a lot of that really had to do with the absence of Jake Fisher was, was very noticeable. They gave up a lot of sacks. There were just uh, a lot of plays where uh, Mariota was under a lot more duress than he had been in other games. I'm just not uh, – just not sure the, the strength is going to be there at the next level. Maybe he's got to be in the right kind of zone-blocking team. I know a lot of teams are really kind of pushing him up, and maybe he goes in the first round. But I'm not quite as sold on Jake Fisher. And, again, with Irving, I think it's just versatility. I don't think this is going to be a star player by any means. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to have a backup that you can plug in at multiple positions. So I think that for that reason, I give it to Irving. Let's move on to quarterbacks here. The next two in a lot of people's minds, Brett. Hunley out of UCLA and Bryce Petty out of Baylor. Zach, who who would you rather have? I go I go Bryce Petty all day. Uh, I'm not impressed with Hunley at all. Um, he's he's athletic enough where where he was very special at UCLA, but I think Petty was uh, hands down the better passer, and I think he's just more equipped to play pro quarterback. And he's a guy that is much more athletic than people give him credit for. He's somebody that I think should go in the first round. And I think when you, like you see in years past, a team that likes him, that is picking early in the draft too early to be picking him, 
will trade up late in the first round and get him. And I think he's, you know, an exceptional prospect. I have to go Bryce Petty here, although I'm not I'm not as sold on Petty as Zach is, but I'm probably uh, even harder on Brett Hundley. He's one of those guys you don't want to put the bus label on him. He, he seems to do everything right off the field. He has a tremendous work ethic. He really just seems to do everything right, but I just don't think it's going to transfer at the next level. I think of all the maybe five or six top quarterbacks, one with the biggest bus, bus potential to me is Brett Hundley. Well, I think this is Petty in a runaway, although I probably like some guys a little further down the board. Maybe if Garrett Grayson stays healthy, you got to like Garrett Grayson. We all know that I, I like Shane Carden a little bit on the shorter side, but uh, definitely like Shane Carden. There's some some other guys I think you can get a little bit later. I'm, I don't think Bryce Petty is going to be the uh, maybe the third-best quarterback in this draft, but I, I like him a whole lot more uh, than Hundley. And I think he's got some staying power. So uh, Bryce Petty, to me, not a bad quarterback. He just – doesn't seem to wow me. I, I, he doesn't jump off the charts at me, but he doesn't do a lot of things. Doesn't do a lot of things wrong. He does everything that's asked of him, and I think he can be a solid, uh, a solid pick for somebody. DJ, you just kind of ruined my next ones because I was going to do uh, Shane Carden, Garrett Grayson, and Sean Mannion. I like all. Uh, of them. That's rough. Yeah, I like all. Of them. I, know, I know you do. That's why. I, that's why I thought it'd be a good one. So, but if you have to pick one, Zach, who are you picking out of those three? I like Garrett Grayson, and uh, DJ started talking about him late last year, and I watched the Air Force game again once they lost, but I, I was impressed. He's he's not that big, uh, and he's definitely an incredibly accurate passer, but I still like Mannion because this is somebody that could eventually start in the NFL. He's like, I think he's 6'6". Um, when he had really excellent receivers, he was really, really excellent. His uh, junior year, statistically, is probably the best year in Oregon State history. Struggled a little bit this year, uh, but it's somebody that, that's big enough and is accurate enough and has a strong enough arm to eventually start one day in the NFL. He looks an awful lot like uh, another Oregon State quarterback, Derek Anderson. Hmm. It's funny. Everything that Zach kind of said about Bryce Petty is the way I would feel about Sean Mania. I don't. I think he doesn't get as much pub. I think you know he did struggle a little bit this year, but his junior season was amazing. Uh, you know, a lot of the the weapons that he had around him kind of kind of went away. I think he's. Of the three, he's got the most uh, – the guy that I can see starting of the three. Uh, Grayson, both, you know, the first two years were really injury-riddled, so I'm, I'm hoping that he's kind of left that behind him because he might have the, the highest ceiling of all three, but you got the uh, the injuries to go there. Carden, to me, he's kind of like a dust Farrat, Um a guy that I don't know if he's ever going to be starting at the NFL, but you can keep him – you can keep him on the roster. He's very smart, possibly a coach somewhere down the road, maybe even more like a tire uh, – a tire or Coy Detmer, but someone that you're not going to be afraid to hand the, the controls to over if uh, injury calls or if he's got to make a, a spot start or kind of put him in the game. You're not really worried that you're really got to dumb the offense down too much for him. He can come in with, without kind of missing a beat. Uh, maybe even like a, like a John Kitna type, just someone who is just not going to be a starter, but you really just like everything about him and you feel good about having a player like him on his team, on your team and turning the controls over to him if you have to. We got one more position on offense. We're going to do tight ends here. So, a few of our second-tier guys, Clive Walford out of Miami, who we have had the third round, number 84 overall, or third round, number 95 overall, to Seattle, Tyler Croft out of Rutgers. DJ, you want to go for that one? Crossed all day long going into this draft. I mean, I, I thought, uh, you know, Devin Spoonchus, uh, whether he was going to be a, a tight end or a wide receiver, 
I said about two years ago he was probably going to be the, the top guy in this draft as a tight end. Of course, he's probably thought of as more of a receiver now. But the person that I would have put behind him was Tyler Croft. Now, Williams has – Max Williams has established himself as the number one guy, but I think Croft – just something seemed to be missing in that offense. They've got – and we're talking about underrated quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Gary Nova right there, I think a, a quarterback that has everything uh, at Rutgers. And they just – I don't know, just never quite have got on the same pace there. But Tyler Croft just doesn't have the statistics to back it up. But I think of uh, probably the second-best tight end to me in his class behind Williams. I just like everything about Tyler Croft. just hasn't been able to really, really showcase it on a consistent basis playing at Rutgers. So um, I definitely go Tyler Croft all day long. That that takes about two seconds to, to make a choice there. I was even before DJ gave, uh, gave his spiel that he seemed so confident. When somebody sounds so confident, you can't help. But just for, you know, to play devil's advocate, I'll go with Walford because I definitely watched more of him play this year. Uh, he was uh, a really, really great security blanket for a true freshman quarterback. So um, just based on that fact that he, he – I think he ran below a, a four eight five. It definitely didn't blow anybody out of the water at the combine. But uh, durable, he was durable. He plays a lot faster than, than he was timed. So I, I, just for the, to be different, I'll go with Al Walford. Yeah, he had a very great season at Miami. He had 676 yards, seven touchdowns. He had some really big games against uh, Florida State and Virginia. So, you know, Walford. And it was with, with a freshman quarterback. So it's it's encouraging when you see uh, a freshman quarterback and a, a tight end connect like that because it makes me think that he'll be able to adjust with a with a new quarterback this year. So it was his, his best year statistically. And I know he, that he was getting older, and it should have been his best year, but when you have a freshman quarterback just getting on a page with somebody that was in high school last year, a true freshman, and I think that uh, you know speaks volumes to his ability to build rapport with somebody. And I want to know where all my uh, emails are, because when I made the selections for my uh, all-conference teams, and I actually put Walford ahead of Nico Leary at tight end, I got a couple of hate mails. I don't know if it was the... Uh, Seminole fans or Seminole Nation kind of coming out, but now, you know, no one has O'Leary anywhere near the top of it, and everyone's talking Walford on top, and with those people to write back now going, yeah, come on, where's where's the emails now? I mean, I, 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 was, I was not a popular guy putting Walford first team and O'Leary second team on the All-ACC, but uh, he had a very good year and a, and a very good player. I think Croft is uh, that diamond in the rough, but I'd take either one. Walford, just a little bit of injury history, and uh, had some uh, hamstring problems that have kind of been off and on. That's really the only other thing you got to worry about him. Yeah, well, that was a good segue into my next three. That's Nick O'Leary, who we have at fifth round, 162 at Tampa Bay right now. Jeff Hewerman from Ohio State, fifth round, 160, two picks ahead of him to Pittsburgh, Zach. And uh, Nick, Nick Boyle, we have him uh, going 139 to Jacksonville. He's out of Delaware. Out of those three guys, how do you rank those three, and who would you rather have? It's tough for me because, I, I watched, as you probably could guess, I watched a lot of Howerman. Uh, he definitely has more upside than O'Leary, but O'Leary could come in and, uh, and I mean, he can play. He can play. He doesn't really have an exact position. I, I don't know where you could put him, but as like a jack-of-all-trades, he's somebody that, that's enticing. And, I mean, we know that he can catch, and that, he, that he makes big plays. And if you put him with the right quarterback, for some reason, he just seems like a packer to me. You put him with Aaron Rodgers, I could see him doing something. So I'll 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 go with him just because tiebreaker. Uh, he's uh, Jack Nicholson's grandson. <laughs> That's got to give him a little swag. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that. 
How about you, DJ? I'd have to go Nick Boyle here just because I think the blocking aspect, he's just a much more established blocker than both these guys. Although, Howerman, you gotta, you got to like the leadership ability there. That's a guy who was really looked at by all accounts, was really one of those locker room leader guys, even though he's not one of the guys you thought about at Ohio State that was you know leading that national championship team and putting up the big stats. But to me, he looks like a good red zone threat and just – he would just be one of those guys you can rally around. He can come in. He can calm down a huddle. He seems to have that leadership thing about him, so he would be very high on that list. But I would put him right behind Boyle because sometimes we just get wrapped up with tight ends with all the receptions and then the big numbers. But I made a um, – I alluded to this today with uh, Eric Tomlinson actually being looked at out of UTEP, uh, the only real player at their pro day, just because – I think he gets drafted because I think he's the best blocking tight end in this class. And the two other that I mentioned, the only two other tight ends I think on his plane, Connor Hamlet from uh, Oregon State, talked about uh, Sean Mannion a little bit there, and Nick Boyle out of Delaware. They're clearly the three best blocking tight ends. Again, if you're, you're a team that's looking for a, maybe a second or third tight end or maybe in some of those goal line packages or uh, you really want a, a blocking tight end as well that's going to give you some good hands, Boyle's the way to go. Uh, and, and I think if you're looking for just an all-around player, it's probably going to be Howerman. I, I, I just He seems to have the intangibles that you're looking for. Let's move on to defense. Let's start with defensive tackles here. we got Malcolm Brown out of Texas. We have him going 16th overall to Houston. Or Eddie Goldman, the junior out of Florida State, who we have going 23rd overall to Detroit. Zach, who are you taking out of those two? It really depends on the scheme. It's funny because you always hear um, about Brown being associated with 3-4 defenses, yet he's smaller. I, I'd probably go with Brown because uh, he was hands down the best player on Texas. He, he faced a double team every, against every team he played. Goldman was surrounded by crazy defensive talent. So for that reason, I'm going to go Brown. Uh, the shortest answer ever, ditto. Everything that Zach said was exactly spot on. It's why I take uh, Brown. I think he he may end up being the best tackle outside of Leonard Williams in this draft. Uh, it's Leonard Williams and then the rest of the class. I think uh, Brown is probably number two on my board. Uh, everything he said was spot on. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's Malcolm Brown all day. I don't even think about that one. Thank you. Uh, it's nice to see some harmony now. Uh, DJ, I'm going to give you three more. We have as the next three guys on our mock. But I know just because we have him in our mock in that order doesn't mean that that's who you take. We have Jordan Phillips, a sophomore out of Oklahoma. We currently have protected at 32 to New England. Carl Davis out of Iowa, one of my favorite guys, uh, 48 out of San Diego. And Michael Bennett, Ohio State, number 63. Zach, you know I always have to throw one of those guys in to uh, see how you end up picking. Let's start with DJ. Out of those three guys, who would you rather uh, it's Carl Davis. I think I think Phillips is one of the most overrated prospects in this draft. To me, I mean, you put him up there, you hear so much about people liking him as that uh, that nose tackle. He kind of fits in maybe as that next B.J. Raji or Vince Wilfork type. But to me, that's a fourth or fifth round pick. I'm to me, he should not have come out. I I, I think this is a guy that's just coming out and hasn't fully developed. And I think the team that takes him, they're going to pay a heavy price. I think Carl Davis is. Just all around, he's a guy that can even play end in the three four, and he's got enough speed where he can really do that. And he's a big guy. And we're talking about the guy that the media voted as the MVP of the Senior Bowl, the Senior Week of practices. They do an offensive and a defensive, and then they 
they do individual like areas where they vote MVPs. Uh, Davis won the defensive and the overall MVP. That's uh, really just showed well and has interviewed well. I think that's that's Carl Davis in a runaway. And Michael Bennett, great player, but but Carl Davis, I think is he's a special player. I love Bennett, and I, obviously, I, for obvious reasons, I love Bennett, but I think he's the best pass rusher, interior pass rusher out of the bunch. But uh, Carl Davis is like 30 pounds heavier, all around bigger. I guess it depends on what scheme. Carl Davis in the senior day was pretty convincing. I mean, the senior bowl was pretty convincing. So I'd have to go Carl Davis a hair over Michael Bennett because Michael Bennett didn't even have his best year last year. He's hands down the best pass rusher out of that bunch. He was he he was made to pass rush, and he came in as an offensive lineman, so he – knows how to play both sides of the ball, and I think that gives him a certain insight that the other guys don't have. Now we're going to move on to some hybrid defensive ends, outside linebacker. I mean, these these guys are probably more defensive ends, but our first comparison, Arik Armstead or Daniil Hunter. DJ, who are you going with? Two guys that are really going to need about a year or two in the NFL. Uh, I've both good prospects, but both really kind of coming out early, but probably make good decisions. Uh, I'll go uh, Daniel Hunter uh, just because I think uh, there's a little more upside there. I think Armstead, you know, he's got tremendous size, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he's kind of shown a propensity that he can get run upon. And uh, sometimes when he's asked to kind of step up or some key moments in, in, in games, he's, he disappeared a few times. I mean, he's, he's got an elite talent. He's a guy that will make a memorable play. But then three, four plays, you might not see him do anything. I think Hunter's the more complete player, but, again, he's not going to come into the NFL and make an immediate impact. I think both these guys are going to need some time. They're both pro- they're both projects. Again, it's completely based on what scheme you're talking about, but I'd have to go Armstead. Armstead's almost 300 pounds. He's got a crazy, crazy motor. You'll see him run down the line on uh, a lot of run plays and, and make plays on the opposite side of the field, which is which is rare for somebody that's less than 10 pounds shy of 300 pounds. Uh, he was all over the field in the Florida State game. And uh, like I said, he, he's 300 pounds. And uh, he's somebody that um, I think you could play really in, in any scheme. You could play him at the five technique, or he's fast enough where you could play him. I mean, he's, he's like a five flat 40 guy, but he's he's he could play on the interior in a 4-3 outside uh, – uh, interior on a 4-3 and the 5 technique in the 3-4. Now we're going to go Nate Orchard. We have going 99th is Cincinnati. He's out of Utah. Cedric Reed out of Texas, 163 to Dallas. Or Quan Alexander out of LSU, who's more of an outside linebacker. Who would you rather have of those three, Zach? I'm going to have to go with Nate Orchard. Uh, I've seen the most film on him. Um, I, this is somebody that I think that the Steelers are targeting for the second round, so I've really been uh, keeping a keen, keen eye on him. Keen eye on him. He, I mean, this is a guy that had 17 and a half sacks last year. He's not going to be. He's not going to be fast, but to me, he's like a like a Lamar Woodley coming out. I mean, about as um, good stats wise as as any outside linebacker in this class. And uh, he, he's he's got range versus the run, but you know he's he could definitely be better against the run. But pass rushing, I mean, that's something that's invaluable in this league. And there's always a there's always a need for some a pass rusher like that 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 can have 17 and a half sacks in one season. I would have to go Orchard as well, although I'm I don't think I'm crazy about any one of them in particular. But I think there's the most upside there. He's kind of got deceptive speed. He's not one of those guys that's gonna. Fly, uh, fly right off the line of scrimmage, doesn't have that 
real quick first step that sometimes teams just kind of fall in love with. Really kind of reminiscent of kind of like a Brian Thomas to me that, that played with the Jets for, for a number of years, who was really kind of a little one-dimensional, could, uh, could provide a pass rush, wasn't as great against the run. Sometimes uh, he wasn't a three-down guy, but, but he was a valuable guy to have on your team because you could move him around. Um, Alexander, I think, a little bit undersized, but he's a guy that can just fly all over the field. Very good special teams guy, and I believe it's uh, five block kicks, actually, while he was at LSU. He's a guy that can, can help on special teams. But uh, I go Orchard by a hair, although I'm, I'm, I don't think any, any of those guys are going to light the world on fire at the next level. But Orchard, I think, has the, the best pro, pro career ahead of him. I think he's going to be a key kind of reserve or a spot type guy that can come in and, and give you some good snaps. This next one I like, DJ, for you. Uh, we're going to go linebackers here. Eric Kendricks or Shaq Thompson? Well, if we're, we're talking linebackers, I'm going to go Eric Kendricks because I really think Shaq Thompson's a better player, but I'm thinking more teams are really looking him in, in the secondary. You're talking about a guy that's about 228, sometimes one of those heavier safety uh, hitting guys, and you just give him the range to move. Shaq Thompson's a guy that's uh, a lot like a Dion Buchanan. Uh, he played very well. They gave him a lot of uh, freedom to roam in Arizona, and he really had a great rookie season. I think that's, that's Shaq Thompson. I think he's the better player, but I think he's going to wind up in the secondary. So, but uh, Kendricks is a good player. Obviously, his brother Michael there with the Eagles. I think Eric is uh, doesn't quite have the range, but he's probably a better tackler than Michael. And Michael was actually the uh, Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year when he played at uh, California before the Eagles took him in the second round. So, like Kendricks is linebacker, but overall I see Thompson, but I think he's going to wind up as a safety. I, I love Thompson. Uh, I like everything about him, and I think this is somebody right away that comes in and contributes on special teams and is a special special teams player. But like DJ said, we're not even sure if he has a position. Kendricks is on the top of almost everyone's inside linebacker board. Uh, he was, like, all over the field for UCLA. He was, like, the linebacker version of Troy Polamalu. The stats aren't going to jump off the page other than the tackles, but he seemed to make every big play for UCLA this year. So, I mean, I, I'm going to have to go Kendricks. Let's go a couple, just a couple more late-round uh, linebackers. We're going to go Denzel Perryman. Paul Dawson or Ramik Wilson out of Georgia? Ooh, that's a good one. I'll go Paul Dawson there. Just uh, if it's anything like his senior year, because this is a guy that just came out of nowhere that probably was a fringe seventh round. Is he going to get uh, taken to probably being a second, third round prospect now, Big Ten uh, Defensive Player of the Year? Dawson just had a monster year. You just got to wonder. Is that really kind of an aberration? Because this is a guy that really did come from nowhere. Um, so I think that he's probably the guy. I like Perryman. I like his career. But, uh, you know, a little bit undersized. He's a guy that's under six foot. And uh, he did hurt himself at his pro day. He's had a couple of, of injuries late. I think that's going to have him slide down the boards a bit. But I think teams might get better value for him uh, because I think he, he's, gonna, he's a guy that could slide uh, a lot later than, than people were anticipating. I was looking at him as a high – Second round guy, and I'm thinking now he's probably uh, he could be like a mid mid round three, early round four type guy. But I think uh, Dawson probably overall, but uh, just hope it wasn't a flash in the pan because that was a very very good year that they had uh, that he had last year. One of the the big reasons why TCU kind of jumped up and took everyone by surprise. Zach, I I have to go with Perriman because Perriman is I don't think he'll be a late round guy at all. I think Perriman's like a, a late second round guy if anything. Uh, he, he 
doesn't need to put on any weight. He's as big as he's he's going to need to be. And production wise, I mean, he's as good as anybody, uh, in, 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 including uh, Hendricks. Or sorry, Kendricks. Let's uh, let's move on to the secondary. Uh, we'll try to run through these a little quicker. First round prospects: Marcus Peters or Kevin Johnson, Kevin Johnson from Wake Forest. Zach, who do you like? Who would you rather of those two? Uh, it's tough on film. You got to go Peters. Uh, everyone thinks that Peters is just a terrible person, but he got kicked off the team for a violation of team rules. It's not like he's been uh, charged with any crime. Just because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Peters because I think if you put him, I'm not sure if he's gonna be great for a team like the Ravens that already has like Jimmy Smith to look after, and they're coming down with the whole Ray Rice thing. Uh, but uh, on a team like the Steelers, Marcus Peters could be excellent. Peters, I think, is the only guy that had a, has a chance of unseating Trey Waynes as the top corner in this draft. He he has everything you're looking for. I have to go Peters here. Although Kevin Johnson, uh, very good hands, a uh, guy that I think uh, has very good aerial skills as well, and I, I think is I can see him coming in and being a third quarterback uh, corner and kind of being a star right away with maybe a team that has some established corners or really doesn't need a guy to step in and be a star from day one. I think maybe he sees a little more success out of the gate, where Peters is more the long-term guy. And I, I like his, uh, his man-to-man skills. I think uh, Peters is – and is also very good in, in run support. He's not just a guy that's going to go back there and pick off passes. Peters can be a little physical when he needs to be. All right, for this next one, I think you guys will like it. Let's do Josh Shaw at a UFC. We have going number 83 overall to San Diego. Ifo Ekpre Alamu out of Oregon. Um, might have been a first-round pick had he not gotten injured. Now he's a third-round pick at 75 to New Orleans. And a guy we have two picks above him, Eric Rowe out of Utah going to Atlanta at number 73. Out of those three guys, Zach, who are you taking? This is tough because I, 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 like, I like Shaw, not just because he's a great swimmer and because he has such honesty, because he was, I think, the best player on USC. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with Ipre Alamanu, because this is a guy that um, was a first-round pick all last year. That's somebody that could that could play the nickel. He's perfect for the nickel. So that's somebody that can come in right away and has a, a, a spot in a passing league where you really need to, you know a, a very serious nickelback. And I think he's and that's he's perfect fit for that. Josh Shaw is a could be a starter on the right team. I, and, and before the uh, the incident that uh, got him in so much trouble. He was a guy that was really looked at as a defensive captain. Uh, no real, I would say, off-the-field issues. So I think that uh, this happened early enough in the season. I think he's done a, a pretty good job at kind of resurrecting his image and really showed well at the, the senior bowl. Alamu's got all this talent, but to me he's kind of like the Patrick Ewing of college football. Patrick Ewing, great center, but uh, he was kind of like dunk bait. Every great like dunk that you would see, like half of them that happened in the NBA happened on Patrick Ewing. The same thing with Alamu. He's got all this talent. He flashes it. But a guy just gave up big play after big play. He got torched, I think, with seven touchdowns his last year. So he makes great plays, and then there's just that last there. And you got to wonder if it was just kind of schematic or if he really just uh, made a couple of bad reads and maybe the play recognition isn't there. But he's got all the talent in the world. I think he's going to be a little more of a prospect. And now with the injury, I really, really like Josh Shaw. And he's a guy that I could – I really think I could kind of overlook what happened there. Hopefully it was just a one-time deal, and, and Josh Shaw to me is a, is a future starter. 
possibly, I, I think, possibly a future pro bowler. I, I really, really like Josh Shaw a lot. I don't think Shaw is good enough in coverage to play in the NFL, and I, and I think Alamadu has the ability to shut somebody down. And uh, he did he did give up big plays, but I, I think it's because they really put him on an island a lot. And uh, maybe he it, he got a little hubris, but this is a guy with NFL coaching that cover cover skill wise. I mean, he's his maybe maybe Peters and Wayne's are I think the only two better cover corners. All right, we're gonna go one more, and it's gonna be at the safety position. Chakisky Tart out of Samford. We have him going number sixty five to Tampa Bay right now. Or Darrell Eskridge, the junior out of Syracuse. We have going 69 to Washington. DJ, you want to take this one? I take Tart, but these two guys are very, very similar. We've, we've had a couple of comparisons here with some guys that are maybe played some different styles, but here we've got, wow, maybe the two hardest hitters at safety. I mean, these, these guys can really kind of pack a punch. They're more uh, kind of like linebackers that you're just throwing in the back of your defense. Um, uh, even though he played at a small school, I think Tart's a little more of a polished guy. I think I was surprised Eskridge came out just because I think that he is a second or third. could go as high as the second round, but I think he's more like a third-round guy. But I thought that next year was going to be a battle between him and Carl Joseph of West Virginia to be the first safety off the board. And now I think that's going to be Joseph uh, decided to come back, and I think he's probably the top safety for next year. So Esper's kind of surprised me a little bit just because I think he stayed another year. He was a definite first-rounder. But uh, I, I really like Tart. He's a guy that I did like going into the season, but I like Daniel Fitzpatrick out of Tennessee State a little bit more. He's still a very good prospect, but I had Tart as the number two small school safety. Now probably the, not only the top small school safety, but I think probably uh, the first small school we see off the board, uh, him or uh, Ali Marpet, the uh, tackle who will be a guard at the NFL level out of Division Three, uh, Hobart, uh, first Division Three guy. will probably go in the first three rounds. He's Chris Warren, the uh, Seattle Seahawks running back, went from from Farquhar, and I think it was uh, 84th overall back in '94. So I think Market uh, probably goes a little bit higher than that. But I think Hart's the first small score off the board, and a little bit better than Eskridge, but both are very very good players. I like I like them both because they're both really really big safeties. I like big safeties. Tart's a really, really big guy, but uh, I'm going to go Eskridge because it, it, it's a passing league. I like him better in coverage. I think he's got better ball skills, and I think he's got better instincts in the passing game. And I, I like it's He ran us actually a, a, a slower 40 time, despite the fact that he's probably 15, 20 pounds lighter. But um, he, I just think he's better in coverage. And in the passing league, it's kind of why like somebody like Landon Collins isn't a top 10 pick because I'm... People aren't sold on him as, a, as in coverage, and that's in this league. That's what you need to be. All right. Well, this was fun. We uh, we got through all. We got through a lot of positions. We might not have talked as much as we normally do, but um, this was a good lead-in for the for next week. And we only have a few more weeks before the draft. You guys have any last words you want to say, DJ? And I'd say it was a very good show, and even though we got the WNBA draft this week, I, if I had to say WNBA or NFL draft, I'm going NFL draft every time. I think uh, even though we're two weeks away, uh, I think this is – it's really coming down to the nitty-gritty now. I think we're going to hear a lot more about private workouts. We're going to hear a lot more about uh, these trades, and you're going to have to pick out what is actually just uh, – teams trying to put some stuff out there and 
and what uh, actually has a little bit of truth behind it. So this, to me, is one of just the, the best times that we had all year is the uh, scuttlebutt you kind of hear leading up to the draft. Always, always love this time. And when you get within about three weeks, this is when the stuff really starts to happen. This is like my favorite time of year. And I know it's, you know, kind of overshadowed overshadowed by the WNBA draft and people are kind of forgetting that the NFL draft has been happening because, you know, the WNBA draft is just like stealing up publicity. But uh, the thing I'm probably most looking forward to in the draft is I think there's going to be probably 10 receivers to go in the first two rounds, especially after how the receivers came out last year and had an immediate impact. So, uh, I mean, there's guys like Sammy Coase, Rashard Green, Tyler Lockett that are on 7, 8, 9, 10 on people's big boards. So uh, I can't wait to see where they all end up. What I'm looking forward to is NBA playoffs. They're being decided with the next two games, and there's a really tight race out in the East with the Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics, Pacers, and then in the West, Oklahoma City Thunder are in a dogfight with the New Orleans Pelicans who are healthy just at the right time. So, uh, Yeah, I want to get access to that Pelicans-Timberwolves game tonight. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, in tune with that race. Yeah, and so far it looks like Oklahoma City is playing angry, and they're uh, putting a beating on Portland. So Beautiful. Should be exciting. Everyone wears a two-seat again. Crazy. It's crazy. Uh, don't sleep on the Spurs in the West. I know Golden State is incredible, but Spurs. You can never, ever sleep on the Spurs. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a great night and a great week, and stay on for the Song of the Week. <laughs>